0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. By divine revelation, he moved on holy men of old.
1: But what did they prophesy about? The grace that would come to you. Way down the tunnel of time. They wrote things that were centuries away from them. And when they put their thoughts on paper, it was what the Spirit supplied. He gave them the words. From Genesis to Revelation, salvation highlights the pages. What's the Bible about? It's about Jesus. What about Jesus, the salvation that He would bring, that He did bring, and how He's coming back again?
0: In your journey, have you ever let God guide your life? When you know what He's calling you to, do you drop everything and answer the call? In today's message, Pastor Jeff reminded you that when God beckoned you towards a purpose, He expects you to follow through Regardless of your knowledge or how well your decisions seem to be working out, you'll never experience all of the things that God has in store for you. Embrace God's divine calling for your life and never grow weary in your pursuit of Him. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Bible and Your Sanctifications.
1: 1 Peter is all about comforting you and me. It's the letter of comfort. Comfort for the saints. Who was Peter's target audience? Who did he have in mind? The church that had been scattered under the persecutions of Nero. Nero was a monster. He was a terrible individual. If you remember, I told you that he would take, he he set a fire that burned in Rome and burned many things down in Rome. The fire was his fault, but he blamed it on Christians. And he would arrest them cover them in pitch, put them on a stake and light them on fire to light up his garden and they would burn to death this way. This was Nero, he's a monster. He was responsible for the martyrdom of Paul and Peter. I don't want that on my resume when I face God. Right? And many Christians were martyred under Nero. He took his own life, I believe he was at 32 years old. No surprise there. Surely your mind, by the time you've done all those things, has become a torture chamber of guilt and horrible specters and memories and uh, depression and whatnot. So it's not, no surprise to me that he did. But it was during his persecution, Peter wrote this. And it was to comfort you and me. And he does it by reminding us, and I'm going to say calibrating our faith to be focused on God, and he's going to remind us of several things. matter of fact, Peter is known as the apostle of remembrance because he always uses the phrase, I want to remind you. Let me remind you. Can I remind you? Have I reminded you? Oh, let me remind you again, right? He was the apostle of remembrance. You see that in both of his letters, I want to remind you. He was always taking us back to the basics, focused on Christ. The cross, faith in God, how we were saved, all the important things. So last time, we covered the first nine verses of 1 Peter that focused on your salvation. Verse 9 reads, receiving the end of your faith. What's the end of your faith? The salvation of your soul. That's the end of your faith. That's That's what your faith will ultimately and finally deliver to you, the salvation of your soul. Well, that's good enough for me. Amen? Now, this time we're going to talk about two things in the second half, your Bible and your sanctification. Uh, A lot of Christians don't even know what it means to be sanctified. We're going to see what it is. Uh, But starting with verse 10, let's read it. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what? Or what manner of time? The Spirit of Christ who was in them. Now notice, the Spirit of Christ was in the prophets. And it was the Spirit of God indicated certain things. When he testified, he being the Holy Ghost, he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So notice, the Holy Ghost testified within the prophets of the Messiah and the work he would do to redeem our souls. So they were moved by this truth. They saw it coming before it ever arrived. Now, although God himself moved the Old Testament writers by the Holy Spirit to write what they did, they still desired to understand the full import of what God was showing them. They didn't understand everything about what they were writing. They wanted to understand more. Like, when, when is this one coming? Am I going to get to see him? How long will it be? What all will he do? What will he look like, be like, sound like? They wondered as they were moved to write the wonders of the coming Messiah. The Holy Spirit did not ignore their desire, but he did overrule it. Because they, they wrote these things not fully understanding all the repercussions of what they wrote. Amen? Because all scripture is given, how? By inspiration of God. Come on, everybody. It's not just any book. There's no other book like the Bible in the whole world. Never has been, never will be. It's the eternal word of God. And so by divine revelation, the Holy Spirit imparted to a variety of holy men of old, 40 in all, Truths about God, sin, salvation, the future, he moved on them to write about it. But when they put their thoughts on paper, they did so in words the Holy Spirit himself supplied. Amen. As Peter himself tells us in 2 Peter 1.21. Now, what did they prophesy about? We're talking Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Habakkuk, Don't ever name your kid Habakkuk, okay? But Habakkuk, all of them, Obadiah, all of them, okay? So by divine revelation, he moved on holy men of old. But what did they prophesy about? The grace that would come to you. Way down the tunnel of time, they wrote things that were centuries away from them. And when they put their thoughts on paper, it was what the Spirit supplied. He gave them the words. From Genesis to Revelation, salvation highlights the pages. What's the Bible about? It's about Jesus. What about Jesus, the salvation that he would bring, that he did bring, and how he's coming back again? All right, it's all about Jesus. Genesis to Revelation, stem to stern, the Bible is about Jesus, okay? The prophets saw it all coming, not just for Jews, but Gentiles as well. How many Gentiles in here? Well, better question, how many Jews in here? Anybody of Jewish blood? Nobody. Aren't you so glad, oh Gentiles, that he died for you too? All right? Say, well, who's a Gentile? Anybody that's not a Jew? You're a Gentile. All right, and while the prophets had a basic grasp of the plan of salvation, they knew he was going to be Messiah, Redeemer, that the Christ would suffer for mankind's sins. Uh, There was a lot they didn't fully grasp, and they wanted to understand the timing that the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing to. When is this momentous person going to show up on the stage of history? They never did understand it. God left them in the dark on the wind of his plan. Dude, that's not fair. They wrote about him and some of them were martyred for him. That's okay. Listen, I don't know everything. You don't know everything. There are certain things we're in the dark about right now. Amen. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I wish, I don't know if I wish I did or not. There are certain things that's good that you're in the dark. I don't want to know the day I'm going to die. Do you? No. Do you? No. I just know one day I'm going to die unless the rapture happens. But I don't, know. I don't want to know when. Thank God I'm in the dark about it. Lord, don't tell me that. Um, verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you. How'd they preach the gospel to them? By what? By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now look at somebody else that was curious about it. Things which angels desire to look into. So not only did the prophets want to fully understand what they were seeing, but so did the angels. Peter mentions here the disappointment of the prophets who realized that the things they were seeing were not for their day. I see it coming, but I'm not going to experience it. So they died in faith. What does it say in Hebrews? These all, talking about the prophets and all the Old Testament saints, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, God having provided something better for us, the new covenant, the blood of Jesus, that they without us, should not be made perfect. Okay? So they died in faith. So watch this. When Jesus shed his blood on the cross, the the redemption and the covering of that blood was retroactive to them. Because they died in faith. What would they, they have faith in? The Messiah that was coming. We have the faith in the Messiah that has come. But they had their faith in the Messiah that was coming. And so when He died, that's why the Bible says in Matthew, I read it this morning in my devotional, Matthew says when Jesus gave up the ghost and died and said, it is finished, a lot of the Old Testament saints came out of the grave and they were walking around Jerusalem. I don't know which ones, but Isaiah, Jeremiah, hey everybody, thanks for reading my writings all these centuries, okay? But why did they come out? Why were they resurrected? Because they died in faith, not having received the promise, It was waiting for the shed blood of Christ, but when he said it is finished, they, they receive retroactive, total forgiveness of their sins and redemption through the same shed blood. Okay? So in Genesis 3.15, Old Testament prophecy contained, I'm sorry, let me back up. From the beginning, Old Testament prophecy contained this same kind of time lapse. How many of you have ever realized, and I'm sure all of you, God's timing ain't yours? Nine and a half times out of ten, right? So these Old Testament prophets and their prophecies had a time lapse. For instance, Abraham hoped to possess the promised land per God's promise, but it would be 400 years before his seed possessed it. Four centuries went by before God's promise that your seed will possess the promised land. Four centuries elapsed before it happened. In Genesis 3.15, which I call the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, the first prophecy of a coming Messiah was given. Yet it would be many centuries, even millennia, uh, before God sent Jesus in the fullness of time. Galatians 4.4. Jesus came in the fullness of time. When it was time for God's timing to happen, Jesus was sent. But the prophecy had come millennia before that. So then the Old Testament prophets saw clearly that many of their prophecies belonged to ages other than theirs, and they laid the foundation on which the apostles, the prophets, and the teachers of the church age built. What's the church built on? The prophets and the apostles. That's what the church is built on. Jesus being the chief cornerstone. So this church, every church, the real church, the universal church of Christ, it's built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. It's done. Everything we need to know about church, it's in the Bible. How to build it, it's in the Bible. And and so so I'm going to say it again. There's no capital A apostles now. If you want to play with words and say, well, I'm an apostle, okay, because all it means is sent one, okay? But as far as capital A, the ones that were called of God to lay the foundation of the church and write the New Testament, there's no more of them. How many of you can say I'm sent? I mean, I've started three churches in my life. I guess I could say I'm an apostle but don't ever call me that because I was a sent one, but I'm not a capital A apostle because the 12 were chosen by Jesus to lay the foundation of the church, capital A apostle. A lot of little A apostles running around. Anybody that wants to put apostle in front of their name, I wonder about them immediately because I don't need a title. Amen. That's right. I don't care about a title. Are you with me? I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet. Well, good for you. But you know what? I don't need the title. Yeah, servants. Evangelist, I'm okay with that. Pastor, great. But I don't need three titles in front of my name. And I'm throwing that out. That's free. Let me move on. Peter ends verse 12, mentioning the desire of the angels. Isn't this something? Which things the angels desire to look into? Angels have always been interested in what God is doing. Amen? From the creation to Abraham and Jacob to Israel's deliverance from Egypt to heralding the birth of John the Baptist and heralding the birth of our Lord Jesus to ministering to the Lord in the wilderness all the way into the coming apocalypse, which is loaded with angels. Angels have and will again play key roles in our history. I'm going to you know what I believe if I read my bible right uh, the bible says the angels of the lord encamp round about those that fear the lord so I believe if we could see what god sees in this place right now there are angels now I don't worship them I don't look for them I don't pray to them none, none of that but they're there they're there and you know what they're curious they're curious about the work of christ They have curiosity, they have have minds, infinite. It would probably blow us away. One one mini angel would put us all on our face if he showed up here, right? Forget Gabriel, Michael, no, no, just a little low-end angel. We're on our face. They are mighty, they're powerful, they have brilliant minds, and they are curious about the work of salvation that has happened to us. That's what it says. No doubt about it, they watched in awe as the Son of God stepped off his throne on high to descend to a small planet in a distant galaxy to be born and become a member of the human race. They wanted to understand it. And they longed to fully grasp what God is up to in his redemptive plan for mankind even now. Things angels desire to look into. So the word of God you hold in your hand is filled with prophecy about your salvation. Amen? Amen, amen. Amen. Now let's talk about your sanctification. Say with me, I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved. Can we just take a minute and lift our hands and say, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you that I'm born again. Thank you that you touched me and filled me and delivered me from Hell to heaven, from death to life, from lost to found, from blind to sight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can we give him a clap offering here? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now we move to your sanctification. Peter focuses first on God's character and how his own holiness requires us to live a holy life. Look at verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now following verse 12, he seems to be saying, live clean. The angels are watching. Both Paul and the writer of Hebrews use the same argument. Seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what are the witnesses? Well, it might be those that have gone before us. It might be, but I really believe Included are the angels, a great cloud of witnesses that desire to look into our salvation, understand it better. The word for gird up, he says, gird up the loins of your mind is a Greek word meaning no slackness or looseness. And it points to your thought life, okay? All of our mental powers, our thoughts should focus on the imminent revelation or the return of Jesus Christ. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Get a hold of your thoughts. Guide your thoughts heavenward. If we, since we are dead with Christ, let us focus on the things above, not on things of the earth. For we are dead and our life is hidden with Christ in God, Colossians writes. So all of our thoughts, as much as possible, everything that is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. If there be any virtue and any praise, think, think. Steer your thoughts on those things, Philippians 4.8. We're also to be sober, all right? Which literally means, I'm telling you, not drunk. Duh. All right? But that's what it means. Symbolically, for us, spiritually speaking, it's to be self-controlled and to think clearly. Think clearly. I don't like anything that takes away my clarity of thought. Seriously, nothing. I I don't want anything to take away my clarity of thought. Now, I'm not saying what I'm about to say to condemn anybody. I'm not. But I don't touch alcohol. Uh, Not privately, not publicly, not ever. Um, And it's been that way a really long time. Because I want a clear mind. I'm supposed to think soberly. I don't want the devil to slip up on me. I I don't want the wrong kind of thoughts to slip up on me. I want to be able to discern the times. I want the word of God to come alive to me. So I'm not saying, listen, please don't take this wrong. I'm just telling you my own testimony. That's all. You can do what you want. Chew the meat and spit out the bones, right? But, uh, and I want to be able to say to anybody that's in Celebrate Recovery, for instance, if they were to come up to me and say, Pastor, do you, do you struggle with alcohol? I want to be able to say no, because I have another wine. Right, right? It's called new wine. I'm gonna move on. Please don't, don't take this wrong. I, I'm not, listen, I love you right where you are, and I'm not telling you you gotta do what I do. But if, in case you wonder, that's what I do, okay? <laughs> Now, it says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the the lusts that used to control you, as in your ignorance, when you were ignorant about spiritual things. As the Bible so often teaches, we're not to uh, allow ourselves to be shaped and molded by this current culture, Lord, especially now. Our culture has gone wacko, banana, crazy up is down, down is up, right is wrong, wrong is right, good is bad, bad is good. I feel like I'm in another world sometimes. So if there ever there was a time you and I needed to be focused clearly on God and not be conformed to this world, to resist it every day, it's now. And as the Bible so often teaches, we're not to allow it. Uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We were used to be ignorant, but no longer. Amen. Everybody say with me: I'm not ignorant anymore. Verse 15. But he, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, because it's written, "Be holy, for I am holy." Now Peter is pulling straight out of Leviticus 11:44 here, which says, "Be ye holy." For I am holy. Now, God has called us Christians to live a clean life. Not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. Neither are you. That's why church is not perfect, because we're here, right? You want a perfect church, empty it out and just leave chairs. Then you've got a perfect church, right? No muss, no fuss. The command to be holy sounds daunting, right? But here's the deal. God's commands are always accompanied with his enablings. Always. So he never calls us to something that we cannot do in his power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live a clean life through Christ. Can we say that together? I can live a clean life through Christ. Absolutely. Not perfect, but clean, right? I mean, right? I mean, compared to you, the world, What they're living in, what they're being taken by, it breaks my heart. I pray. I pray for revival. I pray for awakening because our world is so deceived right now.
0: In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he showed you how to purify your heart from the sin of the world. The more you let the world's lies into your heart, the further you'll be from who you're striving to be. Willingly open your heart to the refining power of God's Word and enter into a relationship with someone who will never let you down. Discover the depths of spiritual cleansing that comes from aligning your life with the divine principles found in God's Word.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Wickwire from Hardwired, and I've got something really special to share with you. For a gift of $20 or more, we're going to send you a beautiful hardwired pen and a bright LED flashlight with an attached keychain. It's blue in color and bordered in copper, and it's very pretty. It's our gift to you for supporting Hardwired. The set also contains a built-in stylus for your touchscreen devices. So to claim your gift set, visit our website at hardwire.org and just donate $20 or more. Click the donate now button in the top right corner. And thanks so much for being a part of the Hardwired family. And I assure you, Every dollar that comes in is gonna go straight to reaching the
0: world with the Word of God. Have a blessed week. In his next message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that nothing will heal you more than turning to the Bible, always in times of trouble. The more you stay rooted in His Word, the more solace and comfort you'll experience in everything you do. Discover the unwavering support and wisdom that comes from making the Bible your constant companion the boundless truths of the Bible be your anchor, keeping you grounded in the ways of God's nature. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of 1 Peter, right here on Hardwired.